was the real name. How do you how do you go from Angelo to Tony? So that actually a lot of that started because when I was younger, my mother wanted to name me Tony after a rhinoceros she saw at the zoo, like a little baby rhinoceros. And my dad's like, no, we're not doing that. And I got my dad's name instead because I have, I have my dad's exact same name. Okay. Front to back, actually. He was a uh, he was a little high when I was born, so he forgot to put Junior <laughs> on the end. So I'm the exact same name as him, dude. <laughs> but yeah. All right, one second. All right. All right, I am ready. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm all good. All right, sweet. Three, two, one. What the fuck is up, everybody? Welcome to the Great Girth Podcast. One half of your favorite fat duo here with my other half, running a little late as usual. We have a guest with us tonight, Mr. Director Pat Bradley. Thanks for going? coming on, man. I, yeah, I really no problem, appreciate man. Thanks it. Thanks for having me. But, uh, you know, while I have you here, I figured I'd, I'd give oh, you a, a heads up. Hold on, hold on, hold on, one second, one second, one second. What team was that? Austin stand that was, up. That wasn't the Cowboys, was it? Oh yeah, it was. <laughs> yeah, can we just cut them off? <laughs> just cut them off, man. We'll, let, let them get back out. We'll continue without them. Ah, uh, <laughs> shit. Ready and prepared. How about if, them Cowboys? If ready. I would have known, if I would have known this, I would have got my uh, 1986 Giant Super Bowl. T-shirt. <laughs> oh yeah, I forget about that completely. Um, Austin, this is Pat. Pat, this is my buddy Austin. Um, I'm typically the. I mean, uh, Austin and I kind of chip in, and we do this equally. But I'm always the one that's talking, so don't be alarmed if you hear him chipping every now and then. Austin's more of the uh, the smart ass in the room, so you'll get to enjoy my voice tonight. <laughs> I'm like. I'm like the Olaf of this universe. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> mm. So, we uh, we ditch cheesy ass questions, mm-hmm. and we do it a little differently. So, rather than asking you to tell me where you're from, I more want to hear your story. Where, what got you to where you're at now? Because you're involved in making film, mm-hmm. right? But what got you there? You know what I'm, I'm just curious. I always ask every director this. What moment was it where you decided that's where I'm going to go? I never really decided, to be honest with you. So just it was, uh, yeah, it just kind of gradually grew into okay. uh, doing film. So I started uh, writing music first from, you know, we were, I have a shitty voice. Singing, talking, you know. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I, I mumble. You know, I'm not very articulate, so, uh, but I can write well. Well, hey, and, see, uh, that's all that matters, though. So I started writing for a lot of my friends. So growing up in, Queen, in Queens, New York, uh, it's a very diverse area. So you have friends from all walks of life right. everywhere. So I was in the middle of writing uh, for a friend's heavy metal band, and then the next day I would be writing a friend's R&B song. So it was kind of just a little bit of everything. Right, right. And then that just kept graduating into doing music videos. And oh, that okay. went from music videos to short films. And then it just escalated into feature films and then actually just writing for a career. Oh, shoot. There you but go. I had I had no interest in actually being a writer because I barely made it out of high school. <laughs> I'm hey, you not and me even, both. Not even kidding. I graduated with a failing average. 
I had like a, I don't even know what my, I, I know mine was like a 2.4 or 5. It was, I, I barely passed, man. I did enough to not get kicked out and to graduate. That's it. I got kicked out of a few schools, but I, I <laughs> so it was more of a, you know, I finally, I, I used to play sports and unfortunately I stopped growing height wise and started growing this way. Oh, so yeah. that kind of uh, went, went south quickly, <laughs> but uh, you know, when I think it was junior year, so probably 1990, I'm dating myself, but 1996 or 1997 uh they were like you're not going to graduate high school if you don't get your shit together because freshman year sophomore year i was fucking around barely going to school uh you know you explore new york city and yeah so it was kind of you're going to Times square looking at the hookers when there still was hookers back then (laughs) right you know you're doing all kinds of weird shit at 11 and 12 years old so uh you know you kind of just fuck around and then it was hey listen you know there's a team uh, not a team but uh, a college down south that's in- i always played football baseball basketball ran track and um they were interested in bringing me down for what they call like uh i guess it's like an open tryout so they keep uh this specific school kept two open uh scholarships for walk-ons so basically they bring you down and they really like, listen, if you can graduate high school, we can bring you down. So I just had to buckle in my last two years and you know, my mom beat the shit out of me. Make sure I <laughs> think our mom's things, all day. Yeah. <laughs> got things done. And, uh, you know, I, I, that didn't work out, but, uh, you know, it did get me onto the right track life wise. Yeah. Right. So here's a, Here's another question. For those that may not know you or are familiar with your work, what is your style of filmmaking? So filmmaking and writing, I have two completely different styles. So okay. uh, writing, I don't uh, I don't really care to write one genre. Um, right. tip, I'm typically all over the board. So Literally, maybe an hour ago, we had a. Re- I'm doing actually my third feature film in about two weeks. We're starting. Uh, we just had cast read throughs over Zoom, you know, because everybody's all over the place now. So, right. You know, so we're doing the. We do a couple read throughs, make sure the dialogue and everything is right. And that's that's half drama, half horror. Oh, okay. So it's not. Uh, my films, though, are tend to be on the darker uh more entertaining not so socially uh relevant type of films so i aim my goal is always to entertain first before having a message or making sure i get all i get these plop you know i do write some you know messages into my film and if you catch them you catch them if you don't right People tell me like on uh, when film festivals, you know, after they show your film, you go up for like a Q&A and they'll tell me stuff. And I'm like, if you saw that, great. I I didn't write it in there. But, you know, <laughs> if that if that's what you got from it. And that's that's what I love about film, because people watch it and all three of us can watch a film and see it three different ways. Yeah. You interpret it differently, yeah. so which I'm sure you hear a lot it. of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You hear a lot of yeah. different interpretations, which. 
I guess I got to ask you as a director, do you think people read into shit a little bit when it comes to movies? Because that's a, that's a big thing. It's a big right now in today's society. Every movie has to have a, uh, you know, like an underlining theme or just again, they over overlook into it. Sometimes it could just be for pure fun. But do you think that they definitely kind of overlook into shit? Yeah, 100 100 percent. <laughs> I mean, it gives you know, it gives it gives number one, it gives people things to talk about online. Yeah, yeah, that's something big. to think about. And um, you know, a lot it has. I mean, in my opinion, it has to do with a lot of where filmmakers are today, where they came from. Yeah. So these guys go to either YouTube University or film school. So it's you know everybody shoots the same way. You know it's. Everything visually looks great. You know, story hits every beat that it's supposed to. It's just boring. Oh, and I, yeah. So it, it's really hard to get something that, I mean, a goal, to me, a goal of a film is to be entertaining first and foremost. After that, if you want to learn, if you want to teach somebody something, you want to learn something, but people throw their bias into a film and mm-hmm. you never really get a double-sided film. Yeah. So you never get something with two different point of views from the same writer because they, you know, want to put their message into a film. And you see that all day on the like the film festival circuit, the indie circuit. The last festival, uh, my latest film uh, was in the five films that played before it in the block. Were almost identical. They all look different. They all contain different characters and everything. But the underlying message was all similar. And it all has to do with the topic of the moment. So whatever that is, they make sure to throw it in the film and festivals eat it up because that's what people want to see. So with directing movies, have you traveled a lot or do you tend to stay in an area? Uh, it depends. I, you know, sometimes I'll go around here. I don't, if it's my choice, right? I like to use something where it would if I'm traveling somewhere, it has to fit the story. Okay. Because yeah. in to keep it local, I mean New York is five different places. You can go upstate and yeah. it's feels like middle America. You can go to Long Island, it feels like Beverly Hills. You can go to the city, it's urban. So you can get and we have beach towns. Mm-hmm. You know, if you go out onto Long Island, there's beach towns. So you can pretty much have different sets all throughout New York. And, you know, I have a, I wouldn't want to say like a big Rolodex of local filmmakers and cast and crew, but it's enough where, you know, I trust them. Right. So if it's my personal project, I'm going to stay here. Mm-hmm. But like I, we've traveled down Atlanta, Miami, LA. Um, you know, we had... I had to, I wound up having to turn it down, but we were, it was like a Fast and Furious knockoff <laughs> and it was in Prague Okay. and we just happened to turn it down. Just, you know, it, it, it wasn't a spoof, but it was like a blatant knockoff. Yeah. You can just kind of tell. Yeah. yeah. And I'm, I'm not at that point in my, uh, in my career where I'm going to start doing chasing that stuff for money. Well, yeah. Cause that was my next question was like, Hey man, what kind of, what movies do you want to do when it comes to, you know, hypothetically speaking, say uh, you decide you 
how you're in a position where you can pick what your passion project is. Everyone has a different idea of what that is. That's either a Western, it's a mob film, it's a horror film. But for you, I mean, honestly, not even just genre. I mean, is do you have like an idea for a movie you really want to make one day? Something that you know is not necessarily beyond reach, but for now it's beyond reach. Yeah, so um, I like to fund my own projects. For okay. The most, for the most part. Um, we had a film. It's a, it's like a, it's an emotional family drama. Uh, it's a little different. It's a lot softer than my normal, uh, than my normal films. There's no real, I mean, there's a quick piece of darkness to it, but it's overly, uh, has a feel good ending, which mine never do. And, um, we actually wound up, it was a little out of budget. So we, we had it professionally budgeted at like 350000 And um, that's without cast. That's just straight production and like local cast. So uh, the guy that was giving us money wanted us to seek not an A-lister, but, you know, a known talent. So we started pitching it and he wound up giving us a nice amount of money to get it done. And he wound up and this was in late 2019, early 2020. And he wound up, uh, we started casting process and everything. And he wound up passing away from COVID. And his son took over the business. And his son just flat out said, I don't like the project. He's like, you know, the, the guy felt attached to it because the film is about dementia. Okay. And like how a family deals with dementia. But it also, there's like supernatural elements to it. There's a little thriller horror but it's for the most part it's a grounded family drama and um the guys uh the guy who gave us the money uh his company was named burnside productions and uh his father passed away from dementia so he felt attached to the film and really wanted to do it right and the, and the kid was like listen he's like you know i never met my grandfather he's like it doesn't hold the same weight that it does you know, that it did with my dad. Uh, I want to do action movies. He's like, so if you have an action movie for me, right. know, we, we can just switch it out. And, you know, um, I was like, we have a, like a heist movie. But I was like, I'm, I want to do this one first. Like, this is the one that we want to do first. Right. And I'm not really, I'm, like, honestly, like, I, I don't mind funding my own projects. You know, it makes it smaller, a little more intimate. You know, I don't get that big scope you know, yeah. of a film. Someone watching you, yeah. But it's, you know, it's, I write it exactly. Like, I'll change the script. So I'll write a script with, you know, $20 million in mind. And then if I'm like, hey, you know, we can do this for a lot less, I wind up just rewriting it so we can fit it into whatever budget we have. And that that's the one that we've been really like we tried to seek funding for it afterwards. Yeah. We keep getting uh I guess comparisons that nobody wants to touch. So a lot of comparisons like the on the blacklist and everything, the script's been getting like eight point nines across the board. And um we've been getting a lot of uh the movie The Father. I don't know if you've ever seen that with Anthony Hopkins. Yes. And Lovely Bones with Mark Wahlberg. Oh, okay, yeah. 
So we've been getting a lot of uh, combination mixes of those, and for some reason, nobody wants to touch that. Makes you wonder, right? Like, why not? Because I think a lot of it, too, could be just uh, that's kind of the current scope of how things are going. I mean, a common thing with mainstream films is what? Multiverse and time travel with serial killers or whatever. You know, it's that, that could be it. That could just be a new thing that people are trying to stay away from, but... Well, it's also, you know, I mean, realistically, uh, I'm a nobody director, you know, with, I mean, it's a good script, you know, the script is one competitions, it's, right. and uh, the, uh, the, the person that I have attached to it, he's also doing, he's also the lead in my horror film, and like, we're personal friends, like outside of film stuff, like he's an actor, been in legit, you know, real movies, real shows. But like we're personal friends, so I'm gonna, you know, fight to have him on the project as well. And realistically, he's a nobody actor, I'm a nobody director. You know, we're not bringing in any, you know, any audience per se. So it's kind of like we'll buy the script from you, but we don't want you to do it, type of thing. Oh yeah, and which I'm, is I'm, hard. I'm cool with it, but not for this project. Like if it was a like I have seven or eight other feature films that I'll be glad to, you know, give you. Right. I'll, I'll give it to you if we can do this one. Right. You know, if you fund this one, I will give you something else. Like that's how bad I really want to do this one. But you know, it's not it's not uh it's not in the cards yet. Well, this is a weird one, but I I gotta ask it. And if you're uncomfortable, you don't have to answer. But in terms of I, investing. Mm-hmm. for you know like films how does how does one go about that i mean where do you go to find an investor for a film because i've i've heard that a lot from other friends that are currently involved in directing and for someone that doesn't know how that works where i mean how do you start with that where do you go so it, de- it depends what level you're at mm-hmm. and, what, and what budget you're at right so if you can make a feature film for twenty five thousand dollars you can fund that yourself credit cards family friends uh indiegogo you know crowdfunding like you could always do that and then let's say if you get 80 percent of that budget you know you always up it a little bit so if you could do for 25 you could do it for 20 right you know so it's not really uh i mean then you cut corners like this next this next feature that we're doing it's it's a hard you know it's like a it's not exactly a period piece, but it's set in 1987. So, okay, a, a lot of the budget is for props. Yeah, for the look and feel. Yeah, for the look of and feel. Like, yeah. It took me about three months to find locations that still look like 70s, 80s New York. Right. And I ha- it took me even longer, probably six or seven months, to find a car that was affordable. In good enough to in good enough to in good enough condition to pass as relatively new, right? So I I wound up buying an '89 Ford Taurus to pass as an '87 Ford Taurus. I mean, it looks you know there's like subtle differences, yeah. but unless you're like some asshole watching, like hey motherfucker, that's an '89. <laughs> yeah, like a real car expert, scumbag. Yeah. Shit, that's me. Yeah, see that's. <laughs> awesome. I'm gonna, I'm that's, gonna make sure bad. not to. Uh, I'm just kidding. It's an 87. But, <laughs> well, um, um, but it was hard, like finding all that. So yeah. all that was out of pocket. And this, I think the film is probably 
I'm doing cinematography. I ha- you know, I hired some crew, um, actors, and like a lot of them I've worked with before, and yeah. like they they understand that I'm funding the project myself, so they're not gonna be like, hey, you know, I want this amount of money. I want a bunch of money. Yeah, like yeah. I-, I know what you're doing. You know, I trust you. I've worked with you before. I know how your projects come out. You know, just it's a union film, so just pay me union scale. Yeah. And, you know, we'll we'll call it a day. But if you get so there's a sequel written into it that we're trying to kind of hope that it kind of ties into it and somebody wants to buy, you know, the sequel with it. Yeah. So they're like, if you get the sequel, then, you know, we want which I'm all for, you know, so oh, I'm yeah, doing this, exactly. Yeah. I'm doing the cinematography. I'm doing the editing. Uh, you know, I'm doing a lot of what would cost a significant amount of money just to save money. Right. Well, a lot of man hours too, yeah. I imagine. I mean, it's now, I'm a year into it already. Well, for someone that wants to start out with filmmaking, is there any advice you can offer them, especially do things to avoid? Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't, don't do, do it. it. <laughs> I've heard that um, before. Un- unless you really love it. Yeah. Don't do it. It's You have to want to do it. At this point in the way everything's going with streaming and yeah there's it's kind of going the way music went about 15 years ago there's just no more money in it you know you there's money outside of film unless you're you know top tier actor top tier director yeah or unless you're willing to do as a writer if you're willing to write comic books or any of that type of shit yeah you know it's is not really that much money in it for you well that's why most of the writers i know went to tv Oh, okay. That makes sense. Because yeah. you get you get into a writer's room, you know, you do two episodes of this show. Three weeks later, you're on this show doing two episodes. You're doing two episodes, two episodes, two episodes. Next thing you know, you made $400,000 that year doing two episodes of 10 different shows. Yeah, exactly. So that, that's where a lot of writer friends are going. Director friends are pretty much going overseas. It's They're, sad that it's come to that. Yeah. I mean, it's they pay. What's your opinion on the whole AI thing? It depends what it's for. That's kind of how I feel about it, too, because I'm typically afraid of it, but it depends what it's where it's being used. I mean, as an artist, it's a no go for me. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to use it to aid in anything Mm -hmm. that I'm doing professionally. But I like fucking around with it for fun, like Photoshop. Yeah, exactly. Like the generative fill. I love fucking with that and just seeing what could do. Right. But as a, if you're a creative person, you have nothing to worry about with AI because AI doesn't create it copies. Right. And so basically exactly. what it does is it just reads all these out, al- you know, everything puts together an algorithm and spits out something that may be a little different from what you've seen, but is what you've seen a dozen, two dozen, three dozen times. So, you know, people that do, you know, I don't want to shit on anybody's work, but like, you know, what type of filmmaker and films being made should worry about AI. And then, Mm. you know, which one shouldn't be worried about AI. Right. So you have like Scorsese, Nolan, Fincher, like they, those type of films, like those creative in every aspect, doesn't have to be them specifically, but their style of films. Yeah, you know they'll never have to worry about AI 
even sniffing that type of yeah between dialogue and just every they're not sniffing that but then you look at the 1400 christmas movies that come out every year mm-hmm. yep i mean the horror films that come out year round too yeah oh so those are the ones that technically you could probably get away with ai doing the heavy lifting yeah and then you hire a writer to come in and just tighten it up See, I wonder how that's going to work because I've not read too much into it with the actor strike. I just because my fear is this: the idea that you can pay an actor to basically lend their likeness, voice, everything for an AI machine that can generate them pretty much for like a whole TV show or a movie. I worry a little bit about that, well, but this this negotiation and the deal that the it's over, just right? Offered, mm-hmm. No, no, no. The, the actors are still going. No, they closed yesterday. They, 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 they agreed to that deal? Yeah, yesterday. Oh, shit. Okay. Well, that oh, makes they sense. Got fucked. They got well, they did, the, the, exact, the exact details of the deal uh, didn't come out. Oh, shit. Okay. But, but if it's, uh, but if, I don't, I don't think they would agree saying, to that. Yeah, what people are saying about the AI where it's a one-time fee where they... they 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 charge they pay you one time for your likeness and then I can they use they can use it. That's really? freaking insane. I I think that was bullshit. I think that was made up. Just you think so? Get people to worry. I hope you. so. Yeah, because scanning acting scanning like that's nothing new. Right. Like you get um probably anybody that's been in any kind of green screen. Well, yeah, CGI. Harry I mean. Potter CGI. They've all been scanned into a computer. Yeah, so it's definitely so that that's really nothing new. Uh, I don't see how they would. I don't see how a studio would even be that stupid to let that leak, even if that was their plan. Right. Like, why would you let that leak? That you're gonna skip, pay them one day's pay. Right. Which for, yeah. Which for honestly, most actors is about. 375 for a background actor a day maybe a little more depending on the uh, budget of the film right right who, who there's not one person that's going to sign up for that you get unless yeah. you get paid hey you know this guy's going to use me in NY, not NYPD blues that's still that's not even on anymore uh, <laughs> uh blue blood you're going to use it in blue blood right, right. and then 2 weeks later you're going to be in Criminal I can't, watch, well, can't wait to watch that young man in Hawaii Five-0. <laughs> <laughs> listen, listen. It's a lot of gray hair, but not that old. But Hawaii, well, the original Hawaii Five-0 was a great show. Well, this one is kind of a generic question, but I mm-hmm. ask every person this. And I'll let you have some time because it's a hard one, but what is your favorite film of all time? Like the number one, it crushes all. Streetcar Named Desire. That's a great movie. You're talking the Marlon Brando, right? Yep. Yeah. I'm. A, I'm. A great so, as a director, I know it's like taboo to say you don't really care about other directors' films. Like, I'm not going to see maybe Scorsese, Tarantino. You know, the top tier. Like, I'll check out yeah. no matter what. But I trust actors more than I trust directors. Okay, that makes sense. So, like, if Jake Gyllenhaal or Denzel or like a really like, yeah like John Boyega, Leo, somebody like that. Yeah, I I trust them to pick a good script. 
Okay. Yeah. So whereas I'm not fully gonna trust a director to pick a good script. That makes sense. Yeah. Okay. So I, I I would personally, if I had to choose, so I'm a huge Brando fan. So, you know, I gotta be honest. That's you're the first person I've ever heard say that because I love Brando, but mm-hmm. every person I talk to has a problem with him. I don't. It varies, man. Have, it varies. Why would I have a problem with them? Yeah, the, a lot of it is just like, oh, he's a terrible actor. He had drug problems. He never did a lot of. He had no like screen time for The Godfather, for Apocalypse Now, for shit like that. And the, my thing was always just like that was his later days. They'd never seen the earlier stuff, like A Streetcar Named Desire. Streetcar Named Desire was great. I mean, it's so, on the waterfront. Like, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, I love. Two of probably the top 20 movies of all time. Oh, yeah, dude. They're, well, they're culturally significant, too. You know, that's, they're huge. I mean, I had to, I was uh, forced to read the stage play of The Streetcar Named Desire. That's how I found out about it when I was in high school. Yeah, and I ended up loving it. And then I found out about the movie and, you know, so on and so forth. But I do got to ask this, man. I can't tell how many people have never heard of that movie. How many people? Hmm. Every time I mention it, they're like, "That was a movie." Eighty <laughs> percent. Well, yeah, it's got to it's got to be close to that because everybody's like, "I thought that was just a play." Right, right. Like, no, it's a movie. It has Marlon Brando. Recently? Like, no, nah, motherfucker, it's no, it's an old one. That's a oh, classic. Marlon Brando recently is hundred and seventy-four. Yeah, I was gonna say his last <laughs> movie was. Wait, what was Marlon Brando's last movie? I know he. It was like a. I know it was a not a mafia movie, but it was something of that nature. I can't, I can't remember. remember. But he was no, he was a king in my opinion. And his most his last movie was a movie called A Big Bug Man. What the fuck? He was a never... voice actor in it. Was it animated? Yep. Okay, that kind of makes sense. That sucks. Marlon Brando, Brennan Fraser. <laughs> what a film! Yeah, I was gonna say Brendan yeah. Fraser. I like Brendan Fraser. There we go. So, so, two of my top movies would be Marlon Brando in it. So it'd be Street Cam Desire, and then Godfather One and Two. You can interchange. I personally right. like Two better, but you know I'm not mad if somebody puts One over Two. I like Two better as well. I've always just thought the second one had the better story. But then again, I did not read the book to the first one until I was basically much older so that that's probably why <laughs> and I, i'm opposite of you i haven't read a book in my adult life oh dang you never read the you never read the godfather book when Man. i was a child well, when i was a kid up until like yeah. from 18 on that makes sense yeah i i have not i hate to admit this but i have not read a full book as an adult damn well it, it kind of makes sense though because when you're the one writing there's a driving force behind it where Reading it, really, man, it has to be something that captivates you. It's got to catch your attention and keep you there. Here's the thing: you gotta force yourself to read. Well, you gotta I be force my. Yeah. I force myself to read one book a month. Yeah, I force John, myself to read at least two hours a day. That's John cool, John Adams yeah. said, "The minute you stop reading is a is the minute your brain starts dying." I mean, there's some truth. 
And that man, that man lived to be like 86 and was sharp as a tack until he died. <laughs> so now I write four pages a day. That technically counts because you still got to look over it. So no matter what, I have to get four pages a day. That's so your goal? I'm, that's my goal for the day. Okay. So it could be a film I'm working on, something I did in the past. I'm just re-editing, uh, something like that. So that uh, is four pages minimum. Right. So I'm I'm writing on my phone, you know. Then it syncs to Google Drive, which then I open up on my laptop. And then you're able to do it from computer, there. Right? And then I just pick it up wherever I'm going. When it comes to writing a script, how long does that typically take you? Because everyone, it's different. Every Yeah, everybody's different. So I like to – I have a really weird process, right? So once I come up with an idea, I have a quick idea how it's going to start. So right. once, I, once I get a beginning in my head, I go straight to the end. So how do I want this to end? Do I want it happy, whatever? Boom. So now in between that beginning and end, I work on characters, not story. So oh, okay. I create the characters and then I pretty much, it gets a little weird because I start doing voices and all kinds of weird shit. I try to get into the character and let them tell me where the story's going to go. Oh, so, okay. That makes Yeah. Okay. So I, I try not to shoehorn characters in. I try to let the characters dictate the story. If that makes sense. Yeah, like create their own world in a sense. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, so it's a different way of writing. I know most people do it the other way. Planning it out. Yeah. They, I mean, I'm a big outliner. So once I get the characters done, yeah. I'm, I'm pretty much just a character outliner. So I get all little, little details of each character. So Austin's character A, right? Yeah. All right. He's a cowboy fan. So automatically he's a piece of shit, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> So you you go down all those cowboy fan traits, right? So you got to check those boxes. But it, it works, yeah, because yeah, no, I that makes sense. And then all right, I'm gonna add all right. You know he has uh he stutters a little bit. That makes the character interesting. And then I'll I'll start working on the dialogue, and then I'll do a stutter with it. You st- doesn't work. St- talk, talk, talked about D- D- Dick Prescott. <laughs> Mr. P- Prescott. So I I kind of work it that way. Okay. And it, it's. It's uh, it's a little different. So usually when I'm done, I'll kind of go in and if I notice any plot holes, I'll fill them in right. and work that way. But I, I try to keep it with more engaging characters than story. Okay, that, that makes sense. So I guess but, you can call it like a character writer instead of a story writer. Where do you get your ideas from, though? Because I'm a writer myself, and mm-hmm. for everyone, it's obviously different for me. The approach I've taken is typically it's when I'm bored. I'm standing around thinking of something. I start to ask questions. What would happen if, and then this happens next, this person's here, so on and so forth. That's how I get my ideas. And then typically I actually record it on my phone so I remember it. But what about you? Where does your inspiration come from? Uh, all over the place. Like Different it's not, things. Uh, yeah, different things. So. I have uh, if so if I do come up with something, I work it out in my head. So, I I have pretty much a set schedule. So I get up at four a.m. every morning. Right, right. Four thirty, I'm in the gym for an hour and a half, and then in the gym I work on the story. 
So in between sets, in the phone, you know, mind working. So it's basically I'll just listen to instrumentals. So if if I have like a horror movie in mind, there's a lot of rock instrumentals, darker instrumentals, horrorcore, just different type of genre. Since I did start out writing music, I do tend to write to a lot of instrumentals. And okay. that's how I kind of craft the concept through instrumentals and uh, and then through the gym. And then when I get home, I write down the ideas for the day, do whatever I got to do. And then I sit down and kind of formulate the idea. And then just work, go, it, oh, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Like I, I have a process. Like if it doesn't, if it doesn't click in after like 20 pages, right. is, it, is it good enough for a short film? Can I make a short film out of it? Nah, it's too long for a short, too short for a feature. Scrap it. Maybe I could use it for something else down the line. And then I'll just save it. And then if there's something that, uh, like, hey, this scene from this would go really good in this one, I'm going to take it. And then I just butcher. I have a lot of 20, 30-page scripts that I butchered the shit out of. <laughs> I use them here. I use them there. I, right. fit, I, I use them to fit in other. In I was other just stories. I was just going to ask, do you mesh them together? Because I I've talked to a director who essentially when he's writing something, whether it's a full blown, like full on project or not, he saves it, stores it. And then there are times where he'll use it to morph into other stories because writing can change. Right. I mean, you hear that all the time about how a movie would have been this. So then he changes it into that by including another script from somewhere else, which I think is pretty cool because I've met a lot of authors that don't do that. I guess different process. But yeah, yeah. writing's tricky because it's, it's it is yeah. Everybody's different. Well, like, writing I, a script is very very different than writing a book or a manuscript. It's a script is really hard. Actually, I've tried. See, I've tried I think it's I'm, a really hard process. I'm the opposite. Like I uh, during. Uh, during COVID, I got a lot of writing done because okay. for the first eight months, you couldn't film shit in New York. Yeah, you couldn't do and, nothing out there. Uh, unfortunately, uh, I have to do things by the book. Right, right. So, you know, if I bring somebody on set, you know, I want to have insurance. Like, I don't yeah, want to just because now I'm, I'm 42 years, well, going to be 43 years old. I have a house. You know, I got shit to lose now you know so you know insurance wasn't they weren't accepting any film so like we had uh two films set and they were like no we can't give you insurance you gotta wait gotta wait gotta wait gotta wait so we wound up waiting until february before i was able to get insurance february 2021 so that was a whole year so i just wound up writing uh, and I was like, you know what? I had, I think I did three features, nine shorts, two pilots. And then I was like, you know what? I want to try to write a, like a, a novel. I was like, I got a ton of ideas. Let me sit. I think I got like eight pages in. I was like, nah, fuck this shit. <laughs> this, this, this is not for it, me. This is too fucking hard. I was well, like, I will admit writing, writing a book is hard, man. I will admit that's hard too. I mean, I think the, the hardest part about writing, man, uh, anything really is the planning part because I'm the type of writer where I don't fully plan everything as well. So what I do is I actually come up with 
So whatever like the synopsis is, I throw that down on a piece of paper and I think, okay, how do we get there? Like what events occur? And then I just throw all this shit in. And over time I start to ask myself, well, let's get a little more detailed. You know, like we got to find the clear path there. It's, it's got to make sense. And not a lot of people write like that. A lot of people really do outline the entire thing, but that's, you know, in all walks of life. I mean, everywhere you go, there is some sort of outline for writing, you know, but for me, I can't do it that way. I don't know why, but that's the hardest part for me with writing is planning. It's making sure that you do have a structure because if you try writing it without, sometimes it can look okay, but it's going to look like shit too. It's definitely going to look like you were pulling it out your ass. Yeah. I I know a lot of people that just write, like just sit down and start typing. And then, Mm -hmm. so they'll write, they'll, he's like, Oh, I bang out a script in three weeks. Oh, you know, it can definitely be done. How many times do you rewrite? Right. Well, that's the thing. I was, I, I rewrite I constantly. Yeah. That's so your, well, your rewrite is, can take nine months where yep. I sit down, I do it in five. So mm-hmm. I have two scripts by the time you have one. Yep. So, but not saying one's better than the other. It's, I know, guess it again, you, like you have a little more freedom when you sit down and just go. Mm-hmm. So you can kind of take it left, take it right. But the only problem with that is sometimes you miss things. Oh yeah. So like there might be, there might be scenes where you're not as attached to the scenes because you haven't plotted them out in your head. You're just writing. Yeah. So it'd be like, all right, you know, he's going to do this, but in scene number five, he did something completely opposite, which is fine for characters to be two different ways. But where, where does he create that arc that shows him to just do, to just go left? So if he right, was right. if he was here, such a nice guy, now he's a uh, fucking slicing somebody's throat for no fucking reason. <laughs> right. How did he get there? Like fuck. Yeah, it's like if you have an entire movie about a character it's supposed to be about hope and happiness and like the greatness of humankind, and then fucking have him snap people's neck at the end of the movie. Hey Austin, can you carry this for a minute? Yeah. I gotta make a quick phone call for work. Sorry. Sorry, Tony and I have a, a very fable disagreement about Man of Steel and if it's an actually good movie or not. So, uh, you you described you described the Man of Steel problem perfectly right there. So I had to jump in and rub it in his face a little bit. It's it's debatable. <laughs> I mean, I you know it's. I mean, it didn't. Get, it, it's tough people, because you know it's uh. Go ahead. Go ahead. Some people like it. The problem is just it's not Superman. It's not it's like the same character. I don't know. But No, I mean I, I understand both points, but it's kind of you know, there was really nothing that showed him taking that like harsh of a turn. But it's something that you can understand. So it's kind of like it borders Yeah, I can see it. It's not right, but I can see it happen. So it's kind of something like that. But they just didn't get you there. Yeah, it's it's okay to have characters change, but you have to show me them changing. You can't be like, this guy changed over the past six yeah. months, but I have showed you nothing what happened the past six months. You just got to take it on my word that something happened and it changed his entire outlook on life. Yeah, You know, that would have been fine if they hinted at it somewhere throughout the early parts of the film. Like if they hinted at him having 
you know, that type of personality where he could snap at any given moment. You didn't have to show him snapping. But right. if you hit, if you hint at that somewhere where somebody could pick it up and be like, okay, I see why he did that, then it makes sense. But to come out of the blue, it doesn't make sense. But at the same time, I understand. So it's a, it's a little tricky with that. Yeah. But I, I I would definitely be on the uh, yeah, it made no kind of sense. <laughs> Train if yeah. I had to. We we argue about it all the time, but yeah, that's that's one thing I don't do. I don't do almost at all. I, um, all my writing is I write speeches. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't write much narrative structure. Well, you know what? Speeches, speeches are difficult because you have to, you're writing a character essentially. So you're writing as whoever this, are you write speeches for yourself or speeches for others? Both. So when you write speeches for others, you're essentially writing a character speech. You're writing a monologue for this character. Yeah, um, one of the big things is um, uh, one of my uh, the people I really learned from a lot. One of my uh, oh god, the word's gone. That guy. That guy. The guy who yeah, taught there we me. Go. That's the perfect. guy with the thing. <laughs> the, the guy. You know the thing. Um, no, but um, somebody really taught me a lot. Once told me about running political campaigns. It's all about creating a story arc over the course of a campaign that people connect to. Um, and so it, 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 it does come a lot into it when you're, when you're building campaign strategy plans and things like that. But you know, most, of my, most of my experience writing is, does that word sound very good? Or should we use a word with like three less syllables? Like those old ass elementary school teachers. Does that word sound good? You'd be surprised. Like on like earlier today, we did a read through for the film. I sat there and listened to make sure every word sounded the way I wanted it to sound coming out of their mouth. So it was, I'm sitting there taking notes like, ah, you know what? I can cut this word here because it kind of just a little one too many words here. Let me cut that. Let me cut that. Let me cut that. So I understand that completely. Like you're sitting there paying attention to that, you know, why use five words when two or three can work? Yeah. So it's completely understandable for something like that. So, um, sorry about that. I had to step away for just a minute, but I was going to ask you before, uh, before all that happened in terms, actually, you know what? I'm going to ask this question. Why not? Do you ever get like annoyed with some actors? What is it like working with actors? Can they drive you fucking crazy? I want to know just really. Yeah. hundred percent. hundred percent. So a lot of, a lot of my films I do use like my local films. Right. I do tend to use people that I enjoy working with. So. Okay. I, I mean, I'm paying for it. So I want somebody that number one is good. So, and number two, that doesn't create a problem on the set. Mm -hmm. And so if you've never seen somebody in two of my films, there's a good chance that I didn't like working with them. (laughs) Right. Right. And I don't really hide it well. So you'll know off the bat. Oh shit. (laughs) Okay. So it's a, it's a little, 
it's a little tough because you know everybody's trying to create something. Well, yeah, and you got to get along, but sometimes and, it's just yeah. So I mean, you you get along for the film, yeah, and you get along for whatever else you have to do for the film. But other than that, like I, I've most of my problems actually have been sound text. Why, why sound text? I don't know. I don't know. You know, because hiring a sound guy is very expensive. Mm-hmm. Very expensive. And since I do own my own production company, I have my own gear. Okay. And it's professional gear. So it's not like, you know, I'm bringing you on with like, you know, this microphone and... Yeah, shit's expensive, right? It's, yeah. It's top tier, I guess, mm-hmm. independent film gear and they want to use their own gear because you know they could charge me for it yeah of course and just for some reason i you know so with my gear i I can i usually tend to bring on whether it's right or wrong i tend to bring on cheaper sound people those just starting out right some just somebody basically to that at least knows how to mix. Like I come from music, an audio background. So, mm-hmm. you know, I know I can tell if something's wrong with audio. So I'll tend to bring on somebody a little cheaper. Well, a lot cheaper. Mm-hmm. Basically just to hold boom, press record. But see, you're kind of being a good guy when you think about it, though, because you're giving somebody who's being told no a million fucking times, probably mm-hmm. a chance. And they also fuck me nine times out of ten. <laughs> so really? it's, yeah, yeah, I guess it's, so. Yeah, like we had amateurs, uh, right? <laughs> I mean, I, I don't want to like, yeah, no, basically, I, no, yeah. it's is is what it is, right? Uh, no, no, I know what you mean. Yeah, like, because my thing is, I don't want to shit on anybody in life. That's especially when you're making a project, you really don't want to like, you don't want to shit on everyone that's there to make it happen. But mm-hmm. some people just. Yeah, they suck at their you know, job. We had this really emotional scene in a film. It, like the actress came up to me and she's like, "I can only do it twice, three times if I really push myself." Okay. Like it, it was very like a real heavy, heavy emotional scene. Mm-hmm. We we saved it for the end of the day, last scene of the day, and so the fir- the first take happened. And she couldn't, she did, she did, she nailed it all three times. She wanted to hit a certain level of emotion and she didn't get there on the first take. Right. So she's like, I I want, I want another take. So if an actor tells you they want another take and you have plenty of time, you give them that take. Yeah. Even if you like the first one, you give them that take. You might get something different. You know, you never know. So she's doing it, she's doing it, she nails it. And then there's like, the she's, you know, killing it up until this point. And then this point, this is where like she really needs to just dive into these feelings and the tears start, start uh, should start coming out. And she stops and she just gets up and yells. Mm-hmm. So who the fuck is making noise? So we had somebody on set that was had a bag of potato chips in his hoodie pocket and was pulling them out and eating them <laughs> while she's doing this scene. 
Hey, fuck that guy. And, <laughs> and this just happened to be an audio guy. So yeah. you, know, you know you're doing audio and you're chewing fucking chips. This co- <laughs> in a scene where the room was smaller than this room here. And it was a very tight, tight scene. Right. And, and he's eating fucking chips. Which you could pick it up on the mic. Well, we heard moron. We heard it. the microphone, motherfucker. We heard it. We heard it on her body mic. That's how loud the chewing. Yeah. Was. Fuck. Oh, God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was Fuck only you any potato chips. It was only. It was such an emotional scene. I closed the door to the room, so the only people that we were watching it on a monitor, so we didn't see what was going on inside the room. We didn't hear what was going on inside the room. Right. Because only I have headphones for uh, the wireless audio. Nobody else does. So you can it hear. was kind of more like. You know, just keeping it like this, listening to, you know, everybody mm. else. And then, so it was just her, her scene partner, the cameraman and the audio man. And she just, like, she went nuts. <laughs> Und- understandably, because, uh, Yeah, you know, understandably, yeah. So I wound up, I, you know, we took her outside and we talked and, you know, she was, she got, she did, she did a third take. But she was upset because she was almost there for that second take. Yeah. That, that's the take that yeah. she wanted. And the third take, you know, she couldn't, she couldn't get there. Like she was there for the second, that take right there. Third take, she couldn't get there. Hey, I don't see why people so fucking up. Yeah. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> Basically. Basically. Like, Bro, what are you doing? And he was late. Oh. So, oh, that's you know, the, dude. That, the one thing I, I can't stand is people being late. People being like, yes, exactly. I fuck, so. dude. I just talked about this at work today. That's a time management is a huge deal to me. Unfortunately, I'd say about ninety percent of the world's population hasn't quite figured out how to manage time. Everybody's late. Yeah, as everyone's late some way in some shape or form. I mean, but what's that old saying? Uh, if you're not on time, you're or if you're on time, you're late. Yeah. They always show up a couple minutes early or whatever. I mean, you know, I get it. A lot of people don't have cars. And yeah. New York City's public transportation. I mean, it's great. It's just never on time. Yeah. You know, they're always five minutes behind. No matter where you are, you're always five minutes behind. Mm-hmm. But I mean, oh, as, as a New Yorker, you should understand that. Yeah. You, know, you should understand that no matter where you're going, you're five to ten minutes behind schedule no matter what. Considering how packed it is, yes. So, you know, I, I wanted to ask you that. What You're born and raised New York. What is New York like to somebody that is used to living in like, I don't know, American suburbia? It's a good question. Uh, <laughs> hell? Because I like I worked I worked in downtown Denver, but that's nothing compared mm-hmm. to New York. No, Denver. I've been to Denver. Denver's completely different. Yeah, it's, very very different. There's, I mean, is the closest American city you can get to New York is probably Chicago. Oh, okay. And Chicago would be half the speed of New York. <laughs> well, New York is the city that never sleeps. That's... It's just everything is fast. It so goes. it's like, it's like, so as a sports analogy, it's like college to the pros. The oh, okay. Game, yeah. The game speed just goes to here. Yeah. It's like go, go, I mean, go, hustle and bustle. Me seeing it, you know, I, I've been here 40 plus years. It's, mm-hmm. it's different. It's a whole lot safer now. Uh, so no matter what you hear on the news, it's not fucking crime is not crazy. Right. Yeah. Uh, People say that a lot, actually. I've, I've no, because I, I, uh, 
I have a friend that he moved to New York, and that's what he said, that a lot of the bullshit on the news is just that, bullshit. We know what it is, too. Like, there's cameras everywhere now. So, and then they make a big deal of random, little random shit. People get punched in the face every day, everywhere. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, down there. You know, so, I mean, you see it in the, you know, I mean, also at at the moment, you know, times are hard here. Like, you know, shit is getting out of control with pricing Mm -hmm. everywhere. Oh, yeah. So, you know, it is causing like a little uptick, but compare it to 70s, 80s, 90s, even the early 2000s. It's fucking safe haven. Like there's yeah. cameras everywhere. There's cops everywhere. There's pretty much implants everywhere. You know, so, you know, you, you go through Brooklyn. There's like two neighborhoods in Brooklyn that are the same. Right, right. You go into certain areas of Queens that you probably wouldn't go in 15, 20 years ago. Right. <laughs> and come out unscathed. Well, that's kind of how it is out here, you, too. We have areas. Right. We have areas here that um, everyone knew that they were the hood. That's mm-hmm. just what they were. But they've been gentrified. And it's a little bit better. It's gotten a little bit better. But the problem is, is some people have kind of figured out that there was a reason some of those areas were the way they were. And that moving in wasn't going to help them, but it's gotten a whole lot better. I think, well, I think a lot of it's because more and more people are living here, um, or moving here, I should say. Before we close this, though, I had one last question for you. I know I asked you what advice you can give someone that wanted to get into filmmaking. Mm -hmm. But what I'm asking now, man, is for someone who is in filmmaking, someone that's kind of like having a, they're having a rough go, but they're starting to make it. What advice can you give them for to basically keep them going because some people really want to know, like, what does it take? Cause it does feel like sometimes you got to be freaking psychotic almost yeah. to keep going. So it's, it's actually a really, it's not glamorous. So if you, if you want that glamor as this is not for you. Right. Right. You gotta be an like actor it, for that. It's, it's something, even that eight, 90% of the actors are making less than minimum wage. So oh, shit. You know, most most of the actors you like, yeah, right. you see them on TV. You see, but you see the stars. You oh, see yeah. the mid level actors yeah. that are making. Right, but the ones what that a are pediatrician trying to make a makes the, yeah. the ones that are every day like grinding it out, doing background, doing you know commercials, doing this, doing that. Maybe they make enough for rent. Yeah, you know, it's it's tough. Same with writers, writers, directly. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's a very crowded business. Uh, if you don't have a thick skin, it will eat you alive. Right. Criticism and shit like that. Uh, just a, and you know what? If, even if you're the director, writer, pro, you make a great project, somebody's going to tell you, well, I would have done it this way. Right. Which leads to the whole don't read comments online. Yeah. So <laughs> you would have done it that way, but you didn't make the movie. I made the movie. Yeah, exactly. So you know, this is the story that was in my head. There's a reason for this story, not a reason. So I made a, a feature film, which you guys can watch for free on YouTube. It's called Into the Valley. Ah, yes. I did watch it, actually. Um, <laughs> so uh, one in a, in a film festival, somebody was like, well, why did he aim for something so small as his local singing competition why wouldn't he aim to be the greatest singer ever 
why I wanted to see him at the Grammys. I didn't want to see him winning fourth place at a local pub. Right, right. I was like, well, that has to do with his mental stability. Yeah. Like, the guy's fucked up in the head. Mm-hmm. Like, if you've watched the film, you see how fucked up this guy is yeah. mentally. You think the Grammys or you think this is on his mind? <laughs> right. Like, it's not, it's not even close. So a lot, a lot of people. Life is hard. That's the thing. Like, <laughs> you know, it's people will shit on you every chance you get. Oh, yeah. it's, it's friends. It's mm-hmm. family. Mm-hmm. I have more people that appreciate that like my films than friends. Like more. I've talked to more strangers about my films than friends. Yes, that is what we do here so, on the show. Our fan yeah. base does not include any family or friends. This is all from around the world. Yeah, they, yeah. Fuck you, mom. Yeah, friends don't. <laughs> friends don't really give a fuck. They don't, bro. That's the thing. Like, they they, they just, don't care until you they, come with a hit. Yes. So like when you if, start making a big. If hey, uh, you guys can you check out my film on Netflix. You know it helps me get paid. Oh, you're on Netflix. Oh, yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden, you know, they've been your biggest supporter since they've won. Mm-hmm. Yep. So yeah. it, you have to have like really thick skin and don't listen to any advice that you get. Okay. Because That's what works what works for somebody is not gonna work for you. True. That is true. I, I, in film, it's so it's such a crapshoot. So what worked for this guy 15 years ago. Is not working for you today. What worked for me last year is not going to work for you this year. Yeah, you know, it all the, just the industry yeah. just moves so fast. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you know, this year might be great for social justice movies, where next year it's going to be something completely different. So like uh, a short, real quick, a short film that we had. Uh, I wrote it about cancer. So uh, it was the exact same film, just it centered around cancer. Okay. I had uh, at the time I had access to a real cancer ward that they would let me film in there, and the people there were like, you know, we want to see these real cancer patients. All signed, they were all ready, all ready to go in, being in this film, mm-hmm. and we had the access and everything. And then uh, the owner of the uh, the location was just like, you know, we don't want to risk anybody's health with COVID going around. Right. You know, we understand everybody's going to be a mess, but the actors won't be, you know, we just don't want to risk anybody's health. Understandable. Mm-hmm. You know, that's okay. You know, I'll, I'll switch the story around. We'll figure right. it out. So I took a couple months, rewrote the story, made it about COVID. I was like, you know what? Let's just make it about COVID. It's relevant at the moment. It shouldn't take us more than four months to edit. It'll be out there before COVID dies down. So we wound up doing all that. And then, uh, what happened was we lost the final cut of a film. Uh, the kid's hard drive crashed, completely got destroyed, wasn't able to save anything. Shit. So I wound up giving my backup drive to a different editor. I was like, I don't have time to edit. I was like, I All gave right. it to him so I can do work on other stuff. I gave it to this other editor. He took another four months. So that three months that we edited it took wound up being eight months. And then we started submitting to festivals. And early on, we were doing great. We were like, 20 out of 20 acceptance rate, which is crazy. Mm-hmm. And then February of this year hit. And then it was like 
just falling off hard. Right, right. I was like, what the fuck? I was like, it's, you know, it's not exactly the film I wanted, but it's a good film. Like, the mm. perform- performances were great, looked great, sound, you know, everything in it was great. I was like, what the fuck is the problem? So, finally, I had enough, and I just, uh, I submitted to a festival, and I know the program director, personally. And uh, so they sent me a denial letter, and I sent, I sent them a text message. I was like, I was like, listen, it's cool. I, you know, you know, I don't care. Like, right. there's nothing you could do to me that's gonna hurt my feelings. Like, mm-hmm. I lived in a stolen Honda Civic for six months. Like, you can't, you're not gonna hurt my feelings. You're not gonna right. fuck me up in any which way possible. So, he's like, listen, he's like, uh, we're not really doing COVID films anymore. He's like, a lot of festivals are not gonna be doing COVID films anymore. He's like, you're gonna be lucky if you get in any decent festivals anymore. And that was back in February or March. I think mm-hmm. since then we've gotten into four out of 20. Mm. So it just so happened to be it passed that line of, you know, this is what yeah. was good. And now they don't want to do it anymore. Right. Times so have now, changed rapidly. So now if this is somebody without thick skin, without mm-hmm. that knowledge of, hey, you know, it's not me. Right, it's just you know, the way things are. I made huh? the best yeah. film that I could possibly make. You know, it's they just, just the didn't it, want it. It's the way the cookie crumbled, right? That's yeah. how the saying goes. Yeah, you know, if, if you true. can't accept that, that's not. You know, you should just get a regular job and yeah, pursue it on the side until you're you get yeah. that confidence back. Don't ever quit your day job to do film. <laughs> I've heard <laughs> like, that before I'm, too. I'm a professional writer, like a professional writer. I still work a day job. Yep, me too. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm lucky enough to be able to work on my scripts at work. You know, I yeah. sit at the desk and supervise, so I don't really do shit but work on the scripts. Just kidding. But you know, that's uh that's something that that's the reason why I won't quit. It's basically free money. Yeah. So oh. it's like, you know. I can. I can support myself off writing. I can support mm. myself off getting camera jobs, uh, directing jobs. I make enough money on the side for that. Right. But why? Yeah. You know, it, it especially now with the strikes. And then next year you have IATSE gonna, probably going to go on strike. Yeah. You know, it's it's if you're not able to handle it, like the artistic side is great. Most people can yeah. do the artistic side, no problem. There's a whole other side that's called business. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that fucks a lot of people. Opinions fuck a lot of people. Mm-hmm. It, it's gotta tough. Gotta have thick skin. Gotta have thick skin and you gotta have a, a strong mindset. Okay. Because these people will eat you alive. <laughs> uh, these people are, especially critics. Yeah, critics or something else. Like you get your movie reviewed and they shit all over it. Mm-hmm. How are you gonna feel? Yeah, exactly. You know, the you first time I first time I got a bad review, I was like, "Fuck." <laughs> of course, you know it's your yeah, it's your first one. It yeah, makes sense. And, and I'm just like, you know what? Fuck it. Fuck them. Like, yeah. I, I I know what I did. If I I know I fucked up. Like nobody's gonna be a harsher critic than me. So yeah, you know what? I fucked up there. I could have did this when I should have. I did this when I should have did that. 
next time. It's a yeah. movie. We're not going to fucking war. You know? Yeah, exactly. It's not exactly. life or death. It's a fucking well, and, movie. Yeah, and honestly, man, if you ask me, I don't, I don't believe that any director ever sets out to actually make a terrible film, unless they're stuck in a position where they need the money, and yeah. or they just miss the mark. Yeah, because I, I mean, do believe. I do believe a lot of these guys. Right. You can miss I a mark believe... 100%. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I believe that someone can go in there with their best, their all, and that just may not have been good enough because it wasn't. Yeah. I mean, you've seen movies probably where you're like, dude, you can tell that this is the wrong director. Yeah. A lot. You know what it is? Too, yeah. It's like, a, you know, like you're at, you work a regular job. You know, like, all right, the boss assigns this guy. This is not the right guy for the job. He's going to fuck this up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then same thing with a movie. Like you see, nah, it's not the right director for that, or that's not yeah. the right actor for that. It could you be a combination of both, where mm-hmm. you know that actor and director combo just you know doesn't work. Yeah, exactly. So it's it's you know it's tricky. Yeah. <laughs> well, gentlemen, unfortunately, we have hit the end he of the got, road. He get a gentleman, man. Look, look, come on, tell him to sit back. I don't want to see this shit. <laughs> I keep forgetting about this guy's fucking hat. <laughs> Austin, I, I had him off screen for most of it. <laughs> That's a oh, oh, God. <laughs> no, don't do that. Put that away. The greatest tight end in the NFL history. And Jesus. Who is that? Tony Gonzalez? You got a Tony Gonzalez to sign a Cowboys helmet? I got a Jason Witten helmet, bud. You said best, though. That's Tony Gonzalez. Nah. <laughs> so I have a don't signed Lawrence Taylor. You want me to get the Lo- I have a signed Lawrence Taylor football there. We can kind of. That's pretty freaking cool. He's my second favorite best line best linebacker second favorite. Come on, there's no but. Well, maybe Charlie Sheen. No, my mom. All right. (laughs) Well, I mean that's fair. We'd love to have you back on again soon, man. Yeah, no problem. Anytime. It'd it'd be a blast, and I really enjoyed having you, man. Thank you for taking time out of your schedule. I know you're doing a movie right now, so I really appreciate you sitting down with us. Um, But before we completely close out, I wanted to give you this time to. Plug your info out there if you wanted to. Instagram handle, YouTube. Where can people find you? Sure. Um, it's at always right W R I T E Pat everywhere except okay. TikTok because I can't dance. <laughs> TikTok is something so, else. I, I can't dance. So excuse. TikTok is not for me. I can't dance. Right. <laughs> well, so, and you know every- you don't want to get caught creeping on TikTok, so. Well, and TikTok too, man, is like, they're not the best. We'll just put it that way. They're kind of, they're really picky. It's hard to make it on that thing too. Really? Yeah. I don't, I think I've seen like, I mean, I'm sure I've come across them, but the actual app, I think I've only been on it once. I was like, nah, I'm too old for this. It's not worth it. Yeah. Don't download it. (laughs) But thanks guys for listening. If you like what you heard here and you want to check out more, go to the greatgirthpodcast.com. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, as well as YouTube. I am Tony, here with your other favorite fat friend, Austin. Austin. Oh, buddy. I thought I was the fat friend. What the fuck? <laughs> but you got some catching up to do. Now I'm going backwards. <laughs> but thanks Thank again. You guys, man. man. I appreciate you guys having me on. And uh, keep in touch. I'll, I'll send you information on when the episode will officially drop. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. All right. Have a good night, guys. Austin, buddy. See ya. Fuck the Cowboys. Fuck the Cowboys. <laughs>